0: peace be upon you. There was a psychological study carried out in the 1960s and 70s called the Stanford Marshmallow Experiment. Uh, If you're interested, you can go on YouTube and they've replicated that experiment many, many times. And it's pretty, uh, pretty cute. And um, what it consists of the original experiment was they brought in a bunch of four-year-olds and they placed in front of the four-year-old a marshmallow. And they told the four-year-old, they said, look, if you can wait 15 minutes and not eat this marshmallow, when I come back, I'll give you another marshmallow. So, the videos that you can find online is basically these kids struggling not to eat this marshmallow. You know, they're smelling it, they're staring at it, they're touching it, they're uh, doing all sorts of things to either, you know, uh, imagine eating it or to stay away from it. And um, consistently throughout the experiment, what they found out and they carried out this experiment in the United States in Colombia and Korea, all through the world, is that roughly two thirds of the kids could not wait the whole 15 minutes. And they would uh, give in and they would eat the marshmallow. And the remaining one third were able to wait. And it's not to say that the wait was easy, but they were able to wait and not eat and therefore get the second marshmallow. So what set this experiment apart wasn't the the fact of tormenting these kids with the marshmallows, what they did 15 years later. So 15 years later, when the children were about the ages of 18 to 19, uh, they went and followed up to see how they were doing. And what they found out was the group that was able to wait—the one third of the group that was able to wait and not eat the uh, the marshmallow in the fifteen-minute time window—they were a lot more successful uh, all around in regards to life. Uh, they had better SAT scores, uh, better uh, you know uh, acceptances to colleges, better uh, uh, body mass index. So you know they were less uh, obese. Um, they had better relationships, uh, better in school. Just you know all around, they were they seemed to be doing much better. Now the two thirds that uh, caved in and ate the marshmallow. Not that you know these kids were just utter failures, but consistently they weren't as successful as a peer group in its entirety as the other group. You know they had dropouts, they had teen pregnancies, uh, they had all kinds of you know uh, potential things that would be uh, potentially alarming. Um, and obviously, you know their uh, SAT scores weren't as good, their grades weren't as good as a peer group as a whole. And the takeaway from all this is the concept of delayed gratification. And it's single-handedly probably one of the best indicators of success in anyone's life. It's the ability to delay uh, the reward for some period of time, you know, for the short interim of just being able to go through some hardship for the longer outcome of a better uh, return. And this is consistent throughout, you know, uh, all civilizations, throughout all peer groups, is that if someone is able to hold off that gratification, hold off the reward, and be able to endure Um, you know, some uh, some uncomfort uh, for the uh, the short term for the greater reward in the long term, uh, and maintain this trait throughout their day to day activities. uh, They're going to be a lot better off. And you know, a lot of times people tell us that we need to plan for the future, and that's how you can tell if someone is you know has they say they got a good head on their shoulders is you know they plan for the future. uh, They're they're thinking smart, and they tell you know plan for college, plan for retirement. Plan for a career, you know, plan for a family. And, you know, the the individuals who take advantage of this and, you know, put money in their 401k, save up for a down payment on a house, they're considered, you know, very intelligent. Uh, They're considered like, hey, these are people who uh, planned accordingly. They're able to delay gratification. Uh, But I have a theory, and that theory is the longer someone can delay gratification, the farther out one can plan for the future the more intelligent and the more successful that individual is. And the reasoning behind this is that when we came into this life, God gave us a similar ultimatum. God told us that, look, in this life, there's luxuries, there's wealth, there's uh, all kinds of vanities that you can choose to pursue. But you have a choice to either pursue these materials in this world or choose to seek the hereafter, and the choice is ultimately ours. And God tells us in 42.20, Whoever seeks the rewards of the hereafter, we multiply the rewards for him. And whoever seeks the materials of this world, we give him therefrom. Then he receives no share in the hereafter. Chapter 11, verse 15 and 16 says, Those who pursue this worldly life and its material vanities, we will pay them for their works in this life without the least reduction. It is they who gave up their share in the hereafter, and consequently hell is their lot. All their works are in vain. Everything they have done is nullified. And you see the parallelism between the marshmallow experiment that was conducted with a four-year-old and the human being uh, on this planet is that we were given a choice. Our choice was eat the marshmallow now, you know, go for the money, go for the cars, go for the fame, uh, go for, you know, these, uh, these vanities of this world, or you can seek the rewards of the hereafter. Uh, being righteousness, being giving to charity, being, you know, all kinds of good deeds, being reverent, doing our contact prayers. And the choice is ultimately ours. And the difference in this isn't between, you know, one marshmallow and two. It's the difference between having the luxuries in this world for the lifespan of a human being or having the uh, uh, God's infinite mercy for all of eternity. And that's the difference in choice. And it's not just in the sense of, say, for instance, in the case of the, uh, the children, uh, they wait 15 minutes and then they get two marshmallows. You can see that the stakes in our life are a lot more grand. But the analogy is one and the same. Those who are able to delay the gratification, they don't exalt themselves here in this planet, that they plan for the hereafter, their rewards are going to be much greater than those who live for this world. And the statistics are very simple. You think of this. The average human being, I think, on the planet lives for about, let's say, 83 years, you know, 80 years, just to make it a round number. And if you anticipate that the hereafter lasts for eternity, meaning that no matter, even if we lived for a thousand years, when you divide any number by infinity, that number is zero, right? Meaning that if you lived, hypothetically, a thousand years, compare that to an infinite number of years, It's still zero, meaning anyone who makes the decision to live for this life versus for the hereafter, they uh, run, obviously, the, uh, the downside of being able to enjoy nothing. Because in comparison of time, the two time periods equate to basically zero in this life and infinity in the hereafter. But it's our choice which one we choose to plan for. In chapter 3, verse 14, it says, Adorned for the people are the worldly pleasures, such as the women, having children, piles upon piles of gold and silver, trained horses, livestock, and crops. These are the materials of this world. A far better abode is reserved at God. Chapter 42, verse 36, Whatever you are given is no more than a temporary material of this life. What God possesses is far better and everlasting for those who believe and trust in their Lord. Uh, Chapter 16, verse 96 says, What you possesses runs out. But what God possesses lasts forever. We will surely reward those who steadfastly persevere. We will recompense them for their righteous works. So, in this life, if we choose to go for this life, you know, we'll have all the luxuries that we can imagine. We'll have the uh, the mansions, the gold, the silver, the uh, the sports car, the uh, fancy house, the the high, you know the degree, all these things that people uh, covet in this world. But compared that to the hereafter. And the rewards and the stratification and the the ability of being that much closer to God, what really matters, and it's nil. And what's interesting is that we think that it's a zero, you know, basically a zero-sum game where you either have this life or the hereafter. But God tells us something very uh, interesting. Uh, God tells us that if you choose the hereafter, not only will you get it in the hereafter, but you'll have perfect health, wealth, and happiness here in this world. And the choice is ours. 4.134 says, Anyone who seeks the materials of this world should know that God possesses both the materials of this world and the hereafter. God is here, seer. Uh, Chapter 53, verse 24 and 25 says, What is it the human being desires? To God belongs both the hereafter and this world. And what happens is when we seek the hereafter, not only will we get our share in the hereafter, God will give us the perfect amount here in this world because we know if we get one, you know, one cent more than we can handle, you know, that can be the difference between being appreciative and unappreciative. And you think of this, you think of all these, uh, these celebrity types, right? Uh, the, 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 the rich, the famous, they have everything, right? They have the, uh, the status, they have the, uh, the looks, they have the money, the wealth, the networking, all this. But how many of these people can you say are truly happy? You know, why is it that the statistically among celebrities, among the wealthy, the rate of suicide is higher than those who uh, don't fit into, into that mold? You know, what is it about that? And you realize that these things do not bring true happiness in itself. But if you seek God, and the definition, one of the definitions of God is everything that's good emanates from God, right? If you seek what's, what's really truth, what's really good for us, God will not only give us of the hereafter. God will give us the perfect amount in this world that we will be content with, that we will be perfectly happy with, and we would realize that if we even ex- extrapolated ourselves to one dollar more, that could be the difference between being appreciative and unappreciative. And we know an unappreciative person is an unhappy person. Think of all the people, you know, who want the uh, the, the quick gain at the expense of their future selves, and. Um, A word comes to mind from this description, it's called procrastination, you know, when someone procrastinates, it's literally the absolute utmost level of uh, selfishness. It's so selfish that the person, say anyone who procrastinates, if I procrastinate, what I'm telling myself is that the future self, I'm treating my future self as if it's a different person, it's a different entity, someone who can fend for themselves. So imagine, I have an assignment, or I have a test that I have to study for. And I say, you know, it's really important I study, but today, right now, at this moment, I want to have fun. I want to go party. I want to go out. I want to stay up late. I really don't want to go to the library and study. I don't want to get this assignment done, whatever it may be. And what I'm telling myself is that, look, the me of now, I want these things. And the me of the future, that individual can take care of themselves. They will figure out this problem. And we delay that. And when we do that, literally, we're we're utilizing the the ultimate act of selfishness against our own selves is because we're treating our own selves as if it's a separate entity from the person that's standing before you today and when someone is doing that you realize that just how much of a, uh, a poor decision that is when we basically sacrifice our future selves for the expense of our present selves and the thing is you can say that with a fair amount of certainty That someone who basically plans for the future, someone who makes the sacrifice today for the future self, you can't call that person necessarily selfish. Now, obviously, you know, someone can twist that and make it into a selfish act. But in actuality, they're treating their future self as if, you know, we're a different person and saying the me of today is willing to forego the hardship. So the me of the future can have a better, uh, you know, better life, uh, better day, uh, more happiness all in all. And that takes a real trait. And the thing is, we see this in the Quran, this example of procrastination with righteousness, where people say that, you know what, I don't want to be righteous today. It's too hard. I don't want to get up to do my contact prayers. I don't want to give to charity. I don't want to maintain my chastity. Let the person of the future deal with that. And God gives us this example in seven one sixty nine. It reads, Subsequent to them, he substituted new generations who inherited the Scripture. But they opted for the worldly life instead, saying, We will be forgiven. But then they continued to opt for the materials of this world. Did they not make a covenant to uphold the Scripture and not to say about God except the truth? Did they not study the Scripture? Certainly the abode of the hereafter is far better for those who maintain righteousness. Do not understand. So this is an example of people who, you know, they wanted, quote unquote, righteousness, but they were continuously selling themselves short for the worldly pleasures of this life with the excuse that, oh, we'll be forgiven. You know, and you hear this a lot. A lot of times people come to the message and they want to delay the act of being righteous. But what does that say of that individual? You know, I was guilty of this one once. When I first got the message, I was thinking like, okay, this is great. Read the Quran, but it's a lot of work. Maybe when I'm older, I'll start taking it more seriously. And I thought about that. What is that saying about my character and my sincerity? If I truly believe that this Quran was the path to perfect happiness, that this Quran contained all the relevant information for my salvation, would I take one minute to delay the implementation of this Quran? Would I take one second to not start doing my contact prayers, to start uh, doing, uh, giving to charity, doing righteous works, You know, seeing or extrapolating the information from this book? A lot of times we basically fear uh, the responsibility. But the irony is that responsibility is what sets us, uh, sets us free. It's what tells us what should be our priorities, gives us uh, an actual compass to what direction we need to head. And it's almost this anticipation of enjoying to being uh, uh, ignorant, to being uh, the the expression ignorance is bliss. Uh, But the thing is, when we're being ignorant, again, we're we're sacrificing our future selves for the self of uh, today, right? We're saying, I'm going to make poor decisions today at the expense of my future self. And when we're doing this, it's it's incredibly a poor decision. And it's something that we can sucker ourselves into so easy. There's a quote. The quote says, you know, he was so intelligent, he can convince himself of anything. You know, as human beings, we can pretty much convince ourselves of anything. And it's very easy for us to justify our actions, justify our outcomes, and not take heed when we have conflicting evidence. Uh, there was a quote from Richard Feynman, if I can pull up, just... Uh, Reminded me. Give me one sec. The quote says, "The first lesson is that you must not fool yourself, for you're the easiest person to fool." And this is in regards to scientific inquiry, you know. And that's that's the reality. Is, you know, there's so many cases of confirmation bias, so many cases of uh, cognitive dissonance, where we convince ourselves of our own outcome. And the reality is that when we read the Quran with a sincere heart and we see what God has to tell us, this is our uh, shining star. This is our beacon. This is our way to, to judge our actions, to determine if the outcomes that we're making, the decisions we're making today are the right ones. And one of the, the testaments to tell if, you know, we are in the right path is very simple. You know, God gives us barometers. Um, one of these barometers is the uh, the the contact prayers and in specific the uh, Friday congregational prayer, uh the, the Juma prayer, and in uh, sixty two verse uh, nine through eleven, actually the chapter is called Friday, and uh the verse starts. It says uh, important commandment to all the believers. That's a header, and it reads, "O you who believe, when the congregational prayer Salat al Juma is announced on the on Friday, you shall hasten to the commemoration of God and drop all business. This is better for you if you only knew." Once the prayer is completed, you may spread through the land to seek God's bounties and continue to remember God frequently that you may succeed. When some of them comes across a business deal or some entertainment, they rush to it and leave you standing. Say, what God possesses is far better than the entertainment or the business. God is the best provider. The fact that we're willing to drop all business, you know, drop fun, drop entertainment, anything that comes in our way, for the priority of going to the congregational prayer to do our uh, Friday prayer to commemorate God is showing our priority. It's showing that we're making the sacrifice today for our future selves. And when we do that, God not only gives us in the hereafter, he gives us both in this life. Um, there's a In chapter 49, verse, let us see if I can pull this up, just remember this one. It says they act as if they are doing you a favor by embracing submission. Say, you are not doing me any favors by embracing submission. God is the one who is doing you a great favor by guiding you to the faith if you are sincere. You know, a lot of times when we uh, encourage people, say for instance, to plan for the hereafter, to do righteous work, and and they, they react... They act as if, you know, they're doing one of us a favor and they don't realize that God is the one who's doing them a favor. Uh, by going to our uh, Friday prayers, by doing our uh, contact prayers, by reading the Quran, by growing our souls, we are doing ourselves a huge favor. And it's not a favor that, you know, any individual gets, that God gets. The person who carries out that act is the one who's getting that favor. And um, just a couple verses verses to, uh, to touch on. Chapter 2, verse 200 uh, to 202, it reads, Once you complete your rites, you shall continue to commemorate God as you commemorate your own parents, or even better, some people would say, Our Lord, give us of this world while having no share in the hereafter. Others would say, Our Lord, grant us righteousness in this world and righteousness in the hereafter, and spare us the retribution of hell. Each of these will receive uh, the share they have earned, God's most efficient reckoning. Uh, Chapter 17, verse 18 through 20, uh, the header is choose your priorities carefully this life. Anyone who chooses this fleeting life as his priority, we will rush to him what we decide to give him and commit him to Gehenna where he suffers forever, despised and defeated the hereafter. As for those who choose the hereafter as their priority and work righteousness while believing, their efforts will be appreciated for each one of the, uh, them we provide, we provide for those and for these, from your Lord's bounties. Your Lord's bounties are inexhaustible. Chapter 28, verse 16 and 61, it says, Everything that is given to you is only the material of this life and its vanity. What is with God is far better and everlasting, do not understand. Is one whom we promise a good promise that will surely come to pass, equal to one we provide with the temporary materials of this life, then suffers eternal doom on the day of resurrection? So, God willing, we're going to end there. Just to recap, you know, we're always best off not procrastinating, planning for the hereafter, uh, making the decisions in this life to benefit us in the hereafter. And when we do that, God is not only going to reward us for all of eternity in the hereafter. He's going to give us a perfect life here in this world. Um, We're never going to have to uh, worry about uh, anything, no fear, no grief, uh, because we're going to realize that God is in absolute, complete control. Uh, Until next time, peace and God bless.